Yeah, they're not going to make any coaching changes in Tuscaloosa or College Station. or Auburn, that's a different breed of cat. We're not diving into that. So. I really don't see anybody in the SEC. Other, well, Brian Harson again, a unique situation, but Drinkwitz, maybe? Probably the only one. Uh, what Mark Stoops is doing at Kentucky, literally historic. Saban's saving. Brian Kelly's just getting started. Jimbo's guaranteed buku dollars. Well, and Shane Beamer, he's Shane Beamer. But still, though, I there are some people unsettled in the SEC after the events of this past weekend. Uh, Alabama got a win, but we saw some flaws in the Crimson Tide that perhaps we were. Perhaps we were telling ourselves these flaws were addressed, specifically the offensive line. Maybe we were mesmerized by the idea of having the best offensive player and the best defensive player in college football on the same team. Maybe we were mesmerized by the red mist, the crimson mist that emanates from Nick Saban. And then there's a whole lot of issues at A&M. And they start at the top with Jimbo. But I digress. I'm willing to bet our guest could give us better perspective. Join us on the Say Tama Hotline. It's our friend John Talty of AL.com. John Talty, how are you doing? Doing great, brother. How you doing? I am well. Whenever I get a heaping healthy dose of Talty, my week is complete. The people are all better for getting what they need, John. I think so. I think that's good branding right there. <laughs> branding. John, what's the temperature in the uh, College Station right now around Jimbo. I know he's not going to be fired, but they've got to be pretty restless. Yeah, I think there are some people that are uh, pretty disappointed by that performance. And I think the thing that will bear watching moving forward is that, I mean, this is a pretty challenging schedule. It you know, doesn't get any easier this week against Miami. A really important, I think, opportunity for Texas A&M to, to bounce back. Uh, I think that could probably quell some of the concerns. But you know, to lose to to App State, you know, it's a great college football scene and moment. And now we're getting game day and food, and that's all exciting. But you know, for A&M fans, that's not uh, anything you take solace in. And I think one of the biggest concerns around it is that you know, Jimbo Fisher made his name as an offensive wizard, right? And worked with these different quarterbacks. And that's kind of what he built his reputation on. And outside of really that 2020 pandemic influence season of Kellen Mond, like he just hasn't really been able to figure out the quarterback position in I mean five plus years really in in A and M. And so that to me is would be very concerning. And you just the way the offense performed on Saturday was I mean it was dreadful. And I don't know what the easy fix is there. If Jimmy Sexton, his agent, was in a warlock, would would he be in serious danger of being fired? I mean, I think it's, yeah, I mean, the money is just so big. Now, if there was a program to be willing to throw out insane money, especially if the oil business is going well, A&M is probably one of them. I still think it's way too much for anything to happen anytime soon. But, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Sexton is uh, he is a real wizard, unlike Jimbo's uh, alleged offensive <laughs> wizardry, because he's able to get these schools, ADs, presidents, chancellors, whatever, to agree to these 
or years on your contract, whatever it might be. There has to be a demand driving that your salary increase. No one was, I mean, it just, he's now gotten multiple deals. I guess LSU did make a hard run at Jimbo, but for the most part, Texas gets these guys these massive deals when nobody even wants them. You know, Will Muschamp was a great example, what, what, four or five years ago, where nobody was going after Will Muschamp, and Texas gets him a big raise, and then, what, two years later, they fire him. I mean, it's, He's the master of getting schools to agree to these ridiculous. Hey, John, are you back? You hear me? There's John Talty. He was. We lost you for just a second. I, I panicked, John. I panicked. If anything would ever happen to you, I just don't know what I would do. <laughs> He's John. I might be driving to a bad stretch right now. He's John Talty, AL.com. Follow him on Twitter, at JTalty. John, what are we to make of what went down in Austin over the weekend? I think there's a couple different takes on it. I think one of them is, was, you know, just Alabama just overlooking this Texas team. You know, they were a big favorite. Uh, there wasn't, I mean, instead of Alabama, and I would even say nationally, I don't think there was that much buzz around that game. Clearly, Texas fans were very fired up. You, know, you saw the scenes before the game, during the game, after the game. Like that was a very fired up fan base, and I think it probably influenced. Uh, it did influence the game. Some of the false starts, offsides, things like that. Um, but you know, that, that's one of the questions. The other thing I think is that you know we, I do think to your point, we might have overrated this team a little bit because based on the star power at the top, you know, Will Anderson and Bryce Young, two of the best players in college football, though Will Anderson did not have a very good game. Uh, against Texas, but you know, we, I think we kind of thought that would be kind of covering up maybe some of the deficiencies. To me, the biggest concern is just that nobody at the wide receiver position did anything in that game, and you know, Bryce Young had some time. Actually, the offensive line did not perform that poorly. He had some time to do some things, and there was just nobody getting open down the field. That, to me, is a concern. Now, could that get better as time goes on? Sure. They've got some you know, talented guys right now. Tyler Harrell and JoJo Earl that are hurt. You know, when those guys get back, that'll add some speed, might open things up downfield a bit. But the way this offense is currently structured does not seem nearly as you know explosive as it did last year with Jamison Williams and John Mechie. And I think that's going to be a concern against some of the better teams Alabama's going to have to play this year. How how much pressure then does this put on Bill O'Brien? I would tell you that Bill O'Brien's not the most popular man in uh, Alabama right now. And I think you know, one of the challenges is you look at the run of offensive coordinators that Alabama has had over the last five, six years. You know, Wayne Kiffin, an absolute you know, genius offensively. Uh, you know, Mike Loxley won the Burroughs Award. Brian Dable, now the head coach of the New York Giants. And I think Steve Sarkeesian was the best out of all of them. I mean, Sarkeesian was such an incredible offensive coordinator. And Alabama, and I think you saw some of the stuff he did against Alabama this past weekend. Like, this guy is a really, really smart offensive line. Bill O'Brien is not that guy. I think that you could. O'Brien's a talented coach. He was an NFL head coach for a while. Uh, you know, he was Tom Brady's offensive coordinator for the Patriots. I mean, it's not like this guy has no talent, but I don't think he's nearly as creative as some of these Wayne Kiffin, these Arkeesian types are. And so, Alabama fans are disappointed by that, and there's going to be a good amount of pressure on him moving forward that if you don't have a Jameson Williams-type security blanket that you can go to when times get tough, like, you got to figure out something else. 
scheme-wise, figure out some different things you can do, maybe Jameer Gibbs, somebody else. But dude, that was not a particularly impressive offensive play-calling performance from Bill O'Brien. And, you know, you have to worry about it this week, the next week. But when they start playing better teams, Arkansas, which has an incredible defensive coordinator, Barry Odom, they end up playing Georgia in the SEC championship game. Like, they're going to have to do some things more creative offensively. And I think there's some reasons to doubt Bill O'Brien's abilities to do that. Do, do you think that makes Bill O'Brien more – and work with me a moment, John. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but maybe that the struggles Alabama having under Bill O'Brien might actually make him more attractive than ever to go get another job, perhaps specifically in Nebraska, because his shelf life has expired at Alabama and now Saban is ready for him to move on and he'll, he'll help expedite that process. Well, I think one of the things that I think sometimes we confuse ourselves or we maybe don't think about it uh, in the right way, and I think Shane Beamer is actually a great example. I think he's talked about it, Sam Pittman, and other people. I think sometimes we believe, well, all right, if he's a good offensive coordinator or if he's a good defense coordinator, that means he's going to be a good head coach. And I don't think that's just so the truth. And so on the flip side, I think Bill O'Brien could be a not great offensive coordinator but I actually think he could be a very good head coach. I mean, there are different skill sets there. And so he was already looking like one of the more attractive, I think, coaching options this cycle. Uh, we'll see. I mean, every year they say, oh, it's not going to be a busy cycle, and then something crazy always happens. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what ends up opening up. But I would imagine he'll be one of the more attractive options because there aren't a lot of obvious names that you think the way that we had in the last few years of guys, of course, He's going to be a head coach soon. So I think whether it's Nebraska, uh, we'll see some of the other jobs that could open up. But I think he'll be mentioned for those jobs because, you know, he did do a pretty good job at Penn State. Uh, and I think he did a pretty good job with the Texans until, you know, until he became GM and started doing some weird stuff from a player acquisition standpoint. But as a coach, I mean, he did have some success with the Texans. John, what are you working on? All kinds of things. We're working on a book, working on some stories. Uh, it never ends. He's John Talty, AL.com. Follow him on Twitter at JTalty. John, I know you're headed somewhere very, very important. I'm sure you're wearing like a, I don't know, a smoking jacket or something, just looking like James Bond. Be careful wherever you're going, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's John Talty, AL.com. Follow him on Twitter at JTalty. It's an interesting point he made. And, and we've seen it a hundred times, and, and I'll circle back the bottom part of this hour. Just because you're a good, you're, you might be good at, at being a head coach, but not a coordinator, or vice versa. I think about the Will Muschamp conundrum. Will Muschamp was a wonderful defensive coordinator, but well, we know how it worked out as a head coach. Some guys just don't have that in them, while some other guys, excellent head coaches, but don't have the DNA to be a coordinator. Let's explore more of this when we return. It's the Scott Hamilton Show on Tuesday.